Hey, 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 everybody. It's Cameron here from I'm Not Crazy, along with my co-host. Nicole. Uh, I'm Not Crazy, the, the the podcast that takes the strange and the abnormal and gives it some meaning. I don't know. Trying to have a thing at the beginning. Yeah. So this week, I want to talk to you about Black Eyed Kids. Have okay. you ever heard of this? I've heard of Black Eyed Kids, but not too familiar in the the origin and all the, that fun stuff. Okay, I'm guessing you've come across a story or two on your creepy pastas yeah, and your course. thought catalogs. Okay. Yeah. Well, just to, a quick, actually, definition. Black-eyed children or black-eyed kids are an American contemporary legend of paranormal creatures that resemble children between ages 6 and 16 with pale skin and black eyes who are reportedly seen hitchhiking or begging or encountered on doorsteps of residential homes. Hmm. Okay, so this is an urban legend, essentially, of the internet age. Okay. Uh, it does have a credible-ish origin story from a reporter that I'd like to kind of start with. Uh, and it does have some th- crossover theories about different entities of what these black-eyed kids could be. So that's going to be what we're kind of trying to break down in this episode. Okay. So these creatures seem to have come into existence in 1996 when Texas reporter Brian Bethel wrote of an encounter he experienced in Abilene, Texas. Okay. Okay. So this is verbatim. This following story, uh, which is the first account of Black Eyed Kids, comes to us directly from the uh, Abilene Reporter News by Brian Bethel. Right. So here we go. Near as I can figure, this happened in 1996. I've managed to pin down the date that far. I feel like it happened in the spring or summer, since I remember wearing a pair of shorts. But one of my biggest regrets is not recording the actual date of the event. After you hear the story, you'd think it'd be something you'd never forget. But given enough time in between, not the case. My memory, while good, isn't quite eidetic. I'd gone down to the former site of Camelot Communications, one of the era's original internet providers, to pay my bill. At the time, Camelot was located on North First Street, near the movie theater, in the shadow of what is now Chase, then Bank One. Okay. I was using the light of the movie theater's marquee to write out my check, which I had planned to put in Camelot's night drop slot. Involved in my work, I never heard them approach. There was a knock on my driver's side window. Two young boys, somewhere between 9 and 12 years old, and dressed in hooded pullovers, stood outside. I cracked the window a bit, anticipating a spiel for money, but I was immediately gripped by an incomprehensible, soul-wrecking fear. I had no idea why. A conversation ensued between one boy, a somewhat suave, olive-skinned, curly-headed young man, and myself. The other, a red-headed, pale-skinned, freckled young man, stayed in the background. The spokesman, as I've come to think of him, told me that he and his companion needed a ride. They wanted to see a movie, Mortal Kombat, dating it, awesome, but they had left their money at their mother's house. Could I give them a ride? Plausible enough? But all throughout this exchange, the irrational fear continued to grow. I had no reason to be frightened of these boys, but I was, terribly. After a bit more conversation, I looked up at the theater marquee and down at the digital clock display in my car. Mortal Kombat's last show of the night had already started, by the time I could have driven the boys anywhere and back, it would practically have been over. All the while, the spokesman uttered assurances. It wouldn't take long. They were just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. The last part was a bit unnerving. I noticed that my hand had strayed toward the lock on my door. I pulled it away, perhaps a bit too violently. In the short time that I'd broken the gaze of the spokesman, something had changed, and my mind exploded in a vortex of all-consuming terror. Both boys stared at me with cold black eyes, the sort of eyes you see these days on aliens or bargain basement vampires or late-night television. Soulless orbs, like two great swaths of starless night. I did what I feel any rational person would do. 
I full on freaked out inside while trying to appear completely sane and calm. I apologized to the kids. I made whatever excuses came to mind, all of them designed to get me the hell out of there fast. The aura of fear was now palpable, black hanging thing, almost as if reality itself is wrapping around me. I wrapped my hand around the gear shift, threw the car into reverse and began to roll up the window, apologizing all the while. My fear must have been evident. The boy in the back wore a look of confusion. The spokesman banged sharply on the windows as I rolled up, his words full of anger echoing in my mind even today. We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in. I drove out of the parking lot in blind fear, and I'm surprised I didn't sideswipe a car or two along the way. I stole a quick look in my rearview mirror before peeling out into the night. The boys were gone. Even if they had run, I don't believe there was any place that they could have hidden from my view that quickly. I write for a lot of reasons. I do it even if I didn't get paid. So I wrote down the story of what happened, more or less as a cathartic exercise, and shared it with a small group of friends on an email list. From there, it got to the wider internet and grew and grew and grew. Type in my name in Google, soon enough you'll find it. In time, there was a term coined for what I'd seen, BEKs, Black Eye Kids. I wouldn't have chosen it personally, but it's the acronym the internet knows. I'm pretty easy to track down now, so I still get calls, emails, and inquiries from people all over the world who want to know more about what I saw, what I think they were, and what the encounter means in the cosmic sense. More interesting to me has been the sporadic but more than occasional contact from people who think they have experienced something similar. Some narratives follow the template of my original encounter a bit too slavishly, and those are easy to dismiss. But others have a more than subtle ring of some sort of panic and helplessness that I felt. Similar experiences have been now in places from suburban neighborhoods to your standard dark alleys throughout the country, possibly beyond. Kids like the ones I saw allegedly have been seen wandering through certain 24-hour big box retailers in the middle of the night, banging on the front doors of numerous witnesses. Are all these accounts true? Unlikely. Are there enough to at least reinforce my belief that I encountered something truly strange? Definitely. Since my story leaked out to the wider internet, I've gone through several phases. For a long while, I eagerly answered any and all correspondence about the happening. A few years later, I got tired of answering the same questions over and over again. But with age and distance from the event, curiosity has had a rebirth. So when a television program called Monsters and Mysteries in America gave me a call asking if they could interview me about that long ago night, I said yes. I never wanted the reporter news to be a venue for this story. It's easy enough to find online, as I said, and call it a weakness or maybe common sense, but I prefer to keep my encounters with the paranormal separate from my award-winning journalism career. But for one of the provisions my bosses at the paper made in exchange for me potentially making a fool of myself on TV was for me to tell the story here, and so I have. Do I expect you to believe me blindly? Of course not. I might not believe it myself if I heard such a story from someone. What did I see? Your guess is literally as good as anyone's. I've had everything from vampires, demons, ghosts, and aliens. I do feel like I can say this with some authority. This was back in the day when freaky, cold black contacts weren't widely available to a couple of kids in Abilene, Texas, for anything under a small fortune at least. Will I ever know for certain what I saw? Probably not. Do I ever care to see them again? Hell no. So what do you think of this guy's story? Is it believable? I mean, I feel like it is believable. Well, like, you know, I'm more partial to the paranormal i know i know well there's no it does not seem like there is any reason for him to make this up it does seem like it's just a a black mark on his actual you know career so yeah i do like that this this source it comes from a very credible source now the one thing that's strange is 
there's really no record of black eyed kids before this moment in history, which is kind of odd. Yeah, it's really odd that it, it's only until 1996 that we have any sort of record of it when you would think it's something that would have been around for years beyond that. Yeah, which does make you believe it's just, you know, a fun new Internet legend, but it's not, you know, not real. Like Slenderman. But people do make a lot of correlations to other creatures and what it could be. Uh, since this story, hundreds of very similar encounters have been documented on sites like Creepypasta and other self-published forums. Mm-hmm. But apart from the spooky stories, there's no proof backing any of this up. This begs the question, is there any truth to these stories, or are they just altered copies of this man's tale of high strangeness? But an alternative theory, could Black Eyed Kids just be a modern description of an older, already known entity that humans have already lived alongside? So that's what we're going to kind of get into here. What could they be if not just something new? Or is this just like a weird, high strangeness, unexplainable thing that happened to this one guy and now it's just being copy and pasted like on the internet? And- yeah, and now people are just kind of rolling with it. So a popular theory. Could it be fairies? Fairies? Fairies. This one's kind of a catch-all for all European folklore creatures, such as fairies, sprites, gnomes, changelings, gremlins, etc. Okay. Of, so anything you, any any trickster being you would have heard from European okay. folklore. But don't the the whole story of like the changelings. That one's a little different. That one's a little more, more specifically like like to children, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's to that's, adult? that's like an elf baby being switched uh, and replaced for your own child. So yeah. that's a little differently, but it kind of gets, you know thrown it in there. Okay. Uh, so the idea being that these creatures are not a new thing, but this is simply the modernized telling of mysterious, of mischievous creatures messing with humans. So with our disconnect to old beliefs and lore, these encounters are just being categorized as something new instead of beings that we're very familiar with that have been messing with us forever. Uh, let's look at some comparisons to give us a visual idea of what we're working with here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Wikipedia definition, a fairy or fae. Uh, is a type of mythical being or legendary creature found in folklore of multiple European cultures, including Celtic, Slavic, German, English, and French. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a form of spirit uh, often described as metaphysical, supernatural, or prenatural. Various folk theories about the origins of fairies include them casting them as either demoted angels, demons, uh, or in pagan belief systems, it's like the spirits of the dead or prehistoric precursors to humans. So it's just some sort of ethereal being for us. Yeah. The label fairy has at times been applied to only specific magic creatures with human appearance and magical uh, powers and a panache for trickery. So it's kind of a catch-all for any ethereal mischievous creature. So technically they could fall under this as long as, you know, they're not like a soul-sucking vampire or something. At other times it's been used to describe uh, magical creatures such as goblins and gnomes, things that are clearly less human as well. So it doesn't seem like it could be one of those. But European folklore is fascinating to me, and I would like to do a deep dive on that at some point, just some of these other kind of creatures. Yeah. That just seems fun to me. Ghost. Or in particular, Hungry Ghost. Have you heard of the Hungry Ghost before? No. What's the Hungry Ghost? Another thing we'll probably deep dive into. So... Uh, the the ghost or hungry ghost in particular. Mm-hmm. This is a concept from Chinese Buddhism, Chinese traditional religion, Japanese Buddhism, and Tibetan Buddhism. They are beings that are driven by intense emotional needs in an animalistic way. So this is not the same term for ghost in these cultures. Uh, it's believed that everyone turns into a spirit form before fading and dying again in a second death, kind of like Coco. Oh. So they have a similar belief uh, system in that. Okay. So this is different. So these are angry ghosts that have a mix of origins depending on your culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's the three main ones that I've found. 
Uh, so they can be vengeful and hateful from violent and painful deaths and just wanting to seek revenge. Okay. They can be caused by feelings of disrespect by actions from their ancestors. Or oh. they can come into... This one's kind of the most fun to me. Or they can come into existence from your evil deeds. Your actions manifest into evil spirits that come back to haunt you. Oh, so, so kind of like when people... Uh, have like pol- poltergeist activities. Yeah, Usually, it's it's uh, an extension of them that's yeah. causing the the traumatic experience. Yeah, there you go. Someone someone kind of along that okay that route. So that's maybe more of the the Western idea of what it could be. Yeah. Okay. So their appearance, mm-hmm. they are depicted as creatures with scrawny necks, small mouths, emaciated limbs, and large bloated empty bellies. Bellies depicting an insatiable yearning for relief or fulfillment. That that revenge or resp- the hunger essentially for yeah. whatever it is they've they've been wronged. Interesting. So looks wise, this doesn't seem to fit the bill, uh, but this is a fun one that we'll, you know, maybe look into later and just go through some of those myths and, and fables because those are fun. Okay. Demons. Now, the definition and appearance of demon can vary from culture and religion, but many, uh, but we're pretty much going with what we know based on the Christianity demon that we know from, you know, scary movies and, yeah. and exorcism things. So uh, they can vary from cursed souls, fallen angels, or dark ethereal spirits, though, just kind of across the board for most religions and cultures. Mm-hmm. Associations between the two include rotting smell, a sense of overwhelming dread, and being petrified and frozen in place. Uh, so there are some reports also of being unable to see the hands of BEKs, Black Eyed Kids. We're going to acronym this a bit so I don't have to say it all the time. Okay. Uh, but apparently Wait, that's their also, hands? apparently sometimes you cannot see their hands or feet. And I guess that's something associated with demons that I don't think I've ever heard of. Yeah. I'm not, you too know fami- that? no, I'm not too familiar with it either. That's hmm. why I was curious. Interesting. I've never heard of this either. So that's basically with that. It's mostly the rotting smell thing that people smell kind of death and decay around black eyed kids. So that's, yeah. that's kind of where people are just getting that connection. Vampires or vampires, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. So a vampire is a creature from. For uh, from folklore that subsists by feeding on the vital essence, generally in the form of blood of the living. Uh, similarly, uh, descriptions of vampires can be found from culture to culture, ranging from hideous bat demons to sexy glittery glittery babes. Ooh, Twilight, you know, Twilight. Gross. Uh, there aren't any reports of fluids being exchanged or fed from these black-eyed kids, uh, but people do report feeling drained or sick days after the encounter. So I, I like posit- an energy vampire. I pause it to you. Yeah, is yeah. this a Colin Robinson energy vampire situation? That's what I was thinking. Are these just baby little little energy vampires? Like, oh, what's her butt from Interview with a Vampire? Why can't I think we were talking about her yesterday? What Kirsten Dunst? There it is. Thank you. The alien connection. There are two main camps for this theory: the alien human hybrid theory and the Men in Black connection. Men in Black. So if you didn't know, Men in Black. It's not just a fun movie from Will Smith's heyday, yeah. but it is a group or organization that will visit people after alien encounters or moments of high strangeness. This is a whole other rabbit hole to go down someday, but here's just a brief description uh, for context. Okay. So men in black, or MIB, are supposed men dressed in black suits who claim to be quasi-government agents who harass, threaten, or even sometimes kill witnesses to keep them quiet about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the term is also frequently used to describe mysterious men working for other unknown organizations so it's just kind of a coverall yeah uh, as well as various branches of government allegedly tasked with protecting secrets or performing other strange activities uh the term is generic used for any unusual threatening or strangely behaved individual who appears on the scene that can be in the same like fashion of just well you know a generic black suit yeah 
Several alleged encounters with the men in black have been reported by UFO researchers and enthusiasts. The MIB supposedly appear throughout different moments in history. So much like the movies, the MIB movies, part of what makes these encounters kind of weird or these interrogations are that people have otherworldly qualities and appearances uh, depicted oh, about these Oh, I was hoping you were going to get into like their, the description of them. I'm just going to do a little bit here, but there's a lot of stories about this that we can't, we're going to get to at some point that are yeah. very strange. Yeah. Uh, so their skin has been similarly described as looking fake, uh, pale white, or changing color during visits. Mm-hmm. Their actions and speech are also odd. And these aren't just agents speaking like with an accent or something. This is usually phrasing or delivery that just, that's just off like they're, they don't know how to communicate properly. So the idea is that much like the MIB movies where aliens are working with humans in the government and like maintaining aliens on the planet... Or alternatively, these are just aliens hilariously trying to pass as normal to cover up for their own weird experiments by interviewing and gaslighting witnesses. Mm. Which one do you think it'd be? Do you think they're it'd working with be, us? Yeah, it'd actually be kind of funny if they were just ga- gaslighting witnesses. I think so too. If they're like, we're totally passing. I am human and I'm here to talk to you. <laughs> the alien-human hybrid theory. Okay. So, so this starts with alien abduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a million references and descriptions in pop culture of an alien abduction scenario. Yeah. A human is taken against their will, often while they're sleeping. Right. Uh, they're taken to a craft where there'll be, there will, there'll be a series of medical experiments performed on them. Correct. The examination phase of the so-called abduction narrative is characterized by the performance of medical procedures and examinations by apparently alien beings against or irrespectively against the will of the experiencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so procedures often focus on sex and reproductive biology in a lot of these encounters. Right. However, there are reports of other you know things being performed as well. The entities that appear to be in charge of the operation are usually taller than the others uh, around them. So there's usually one tall leader. And this is usually the, the greys as far as the alien breeds we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. The ones that you would know from just pop culture. Big head, small, gray, big eyes. Your typical alien. Yeah. Abductees of all ages and genders report being subjected to a child presentation. As its name implies, the child presentation involves the abducted victim being shown a child. Often that child will appear neither human nor as the species that abducted them. Mm-hmm. Instead, the child will have characteristics of both species, a human-alien hybrid. These children are labeled by experiencers as hybrids between humans and abductors, usually grays, and a main characteristic is that they will have big black eyes. Interesting. So could BEKs be alien-human hybrids trying to peep on their biological parents? Or are they some sort of child version of the men in black? Do either of those seem intriguing to you? Do you like one more than the other? Um, I, I'd like to think that they're just human hybrids, mm-hmm. and they're here to just fuck with their their parents just peep on their like biological the spawns, parents yeah so wait which one are you more partial to are you partial to believing that they're maybe these like sub copies of the men in black or if they are you know i don't know hybrids. if it's either of those it seems kind of more of like a, i don't it seems nefarious more than that whereas like the alien stuff's more of just like experimentation and like i don't know yeah it, but this seems more supernatural like the european folk- folklore is that what you're yeah something towards? closer to that or even maybe vampire just because the whole like cannot enter thing something supernatural something weird so let's I'll pin this down here's some more descriptions of beks okay so beks mostly have pale skin but occasionally they have olive toned skin most reports are that their skin color looks off or fake, like makeup or a bad spray tan. Hmm. 
Hmm. The majority of the parts are pale skin, though. They're usually chalk white. Right. They're said to smell like decaying meat or rotting garbage, which is interesting, which is interesting because that would seem to have a demonic connection to it. Right. Or at least a supernatural mischief connection to it. So like the fairy folk. Yeah. Uh, that smell also sometimes causes nausea and delirium in some cases, but that has some linkage to UFO and MIB encounters because there are a lot of reports of people seeing UFOs and feeling sick afterwards or having some sort of radiation poisoning. Yeah. And also same with men in black. A lot of times when these weird government quasi people come by, they'll be sick for days after people have had cancer after like mysterious really? illnesses. Yeah. So there is a weird connection with that, which does let it get it to the MI, baby MIB kind of vibe. Yeah. They never answer questions and repeat their phrases and demands in calm, even tones. They almost never shout and talk in a hypnotic manner. So some people theorize that the way they're speaking is putting their victims into a true trance because, I mean, a lot of times people are in fear, but they don't seem to be able to lock the door or step away or drive away yeah. for some reason, even though they're just super afraid. So this is much like a vampire, which is kind of interesting. So it's pretty much the needing permission to enter and the lightning quick or just moving in the blink of an eye thing. Yeah. They give it that vampire quality. But I think both you and I are kind of leaning more towards demonic or something else like that. Yeah, I I like to believe it's something more sinister. Or is it just a baby vampire? Baby vampires. <laughs> baby vampires. BKs typically arrive at dusk or early evening, maybe like a vampire, can't be out in daylight, but that's most dark creatures. Right. They have a similar request or a need of help looking for rides, food, the bathroom, or most commonly they need to use the phone to call their parents. Mm -hmm. People say that an overwhelming animalistic fear washes over them the second they open the door, and it's instantaneous before they notice the eyes. So it's just like an animalistic knowing a predator is there kind of vibe. Yeah. Hair will stand on end, they'll get goosebumps, but most importantly everyone is locked in fear where they can't seem to move or like respond how they want to by fleeing. Interesting. So kind of like frozen in fear in, in yeah, a sense? I'm just so confrontational that I'd have no problem just not even engaging with these kids. A kid would walk up to my window and I'd be like, mm, and just like hand up and just driving away already. Screw that. So here are a couple other BEK stories to help us kind of get in the mind of what they are. And then maybe at the end we can kind of conclude what we think. Okay. So these are the stories from Creepy Pasta and Thought Catalog. Cool, cool, cool. I was sitting on the couch watching a movie when suddenly I heard someone heartily beating at the door. I got up and went to the closet next to the front door and pulled out a cricket bat. Okay. Why not? Overseas, not baseball. Go on. I opened the door and I saw three kids standing there. One of them told me that they were lost and they needed to call their mom. I'm lost and I need to call my mom. They asked to come in. That was the biggest mistake of my life when I said okay. I went into the living room and what I saw amazed me a little. All three of them were sitting quietly, face down. At the same time, all three of them looked at me. Those were seriously the most scariest eyes I've ever seen. But staring at them for 10 seconds more and I was screaming like a girl. Ah, so wait, they are inside her house right now. Correct. Okay, I've, I've never heard one of these stories where someone actually lets yeah. them in. So I don't think this is real. Go on. I ran towards the garage door, and I felt all three of them running after me because I could hear their feet thumping on the wooden floors. I ran into the garage and locked the door. I looked through the peephole. Outside were two kids. So wait, she's in the garage, and she's looking out, so she's locked herself in the garage? Correct. Okay. Why is there a peephole in the garage like door? Usually that's... Go on. I don't know. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and give them some tea or hot chocolate to get them out of the bitter cold. Do you want some tea or hot chocolate? 
Something about them seemed off. The older one spoke. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong, and accentless. She held her head tilted downward, and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, We have to use your phone. I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly, and that is when I saw her eyes. Black, like a doll's eyes. There were a reason I couldn't see them through her bangs before. They were black, or midnight blue, or a dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, our mother is worried. I saw some kid walking back and forth along the sidewalk in front of my parked car. The boy walked over to the side of my car and just stares. I think to let me get a good look at his eyes. To freak me out, let me tell you. If you have never seen a black-eyed kid, you have no idea what to imagine. Pupils black as the night sky. The boy whispers. But I can imagine that. I think I just did imagine that. Yeah. How dare she assume? The boy whispers, you must let me in. And then I locked the car doors and ducked down into the space below the seats. Five minutes later, he was gone. When my mother got into the car, she told me that a boy with black eyes had came into the hairdressers and insisted for my mother to give him the keys to the car. Is this a new story? I have no idea. That has to be. That got confusing. I'm telling you what, folks, this isn't helping me believe that these are real. Yeah, not at all. Okay, so here's the next one. It almost felt like a dream. I woke up to my dog, Lucy, barking. She was upright on the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22-month-old daughter, staring at our door like an unknown stranger was out rummaging around. I thought she was just freaking out over a house noise. We had been, we had only had her for three months and she was still a puppy. It could have been anything. Our roommate, a creak from the house settling, the awnings moving outside the breeze. It was, I wasn't too concerned initially. I decided that the best bet would be to open the door and show her that nothing was there. It sounds a bit silly, but it's what we do with our daughter when she gets scared, and I figured it should work with a puppy too. I opened the door, and she raced to the fr- she raced to the front door, stood there snarling at the door. It was an angry, violent growl, one I had never heard her make before. Growl. I don't think it's like that. <laughs> I looked groggily at her and opened the baby gate, blocking the doorway, planning to open the door and show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. She started barking and jumping towards me, and when I touched the metal, she suddenly changed her temper. She whimpered, almost like she was afraid and backing down. As her mannerism changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I had been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the peephole and I can't explain why I looked, but I did. Outside were two kids. One was just a smidgen shorter than me and the other didn't look much younger. I'm 21 and she looked to be 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde and she wore it about long, maybe mid-back, with long, thin, blunt bangs in the front, covering most of her eyes. She wore jeans, a light wash that's popular right now, and thin-looking olive-colored pullover-style hoodie. Light wash is always popular with me. She held the hand of a small girl who looked about three or four, in the same style jeans and a button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly, but the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. 
She held a stuffed toy under her free arm, and it was identical to the one my daughter has, as it were their style of dress. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and give them some tea or hot chocolate to Never get them out of the bitter cold. My response. Why is everyone offering all these kids hot chocolate? Should we have hot chocolate ready to go? I guess. Okay. Next shopping trip. Something about them seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I hadn't shushed the dog or grumbled. Nothing. I hadn't turned on any lights. These kids had no indicator I was at the door. The older one spoke. She had the voice that was mature, confident, strong, and accentless. She held her head tilted downward, and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, we have to use your phone. We have to use your phone. It was mature, remember? I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She re- she raised her head to face me directly, and that's when they I... Because they heard a dog... They heard you coming. They heard the dog... I mean, they, they know you're there. She raised her head to face me directly, and that's when I saw her eyes. There was a reason I couldn't see them through her bangs before. They were black or midnight blue or dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, our mother is worried. Our mother is worried. As someone who has always been interested in creepy stories, I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in these things as a staunch atheist and a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. I'd written off many ghost stories from my friends, family members, eager to tell me their tale. I didn't believe it. I still couldn't rationalize my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door. Lucy still cowering at my ankles. She kept talking. Just let us in to use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite. When I took that second step back, she became more commanding, almost hostile. We We need to use your phone! We are not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have just broken in. I'll ask again. May I come in and use your phone? Lucy snarled at the door, and I inched backwards, though something inside me seemed to be slowly pulling me back towards the door. It wasn't a physical pulling, so much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got into my room, covered up the window and locked the door, and sat there in the dim light of the nightlight. I heard her call back to me to the door once more, and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night, and I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about them that the BEKs can't just come in without permission, and I know I haven't hurt anyone, but I still fear I'll be the exception. When I told my husband, he said that it was a dream. He keeps telling me to forget it, but there's a lingering feeling of sadness. This dread in the house is silent at night, and the fear of a knock at the door still tells me otherwise. That one seems kind of more believable to me. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that one, at least I knew the setting where that person was in each... Left a pretty good imagery. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We'll, We'll mark that one up as a maybe. Okay. So this one's spooky. It's on a Halloween night. It had been a very slow trick-or-treat night in our neighborhood that evening, which is pretty odd in itself. We usually have kids from different areas drop off in ours, and they have a constant parade at our door. That night, I'd say we had no more than 8 or 10 groups of kids come by the entire night. It was about 9.30 p.m., and my husband and I were sitting in our family room watching some of those ghost shows based on supposedly actual events. The stuff I like on Travel Channel. (laughs) 
the stuff we like on Travel Channel. Yeah, we do enjoy it. Like I said, I don't believe in all that stuff, but I do like a good ghost story now and then, and it was Halloween after all. We hadn't had any activity at the door in over an hour, and it was getting late, so we decided to turn the porch light off and let our dog Chloe out of her crate. Chloe's an American bulldog and is very docile. We only put her in her freight because we, was af- we were afraid she would try to get out and play with the kids, and I didn't want to have to chase her down the street. Also, we didn't want her to scare any of the kids because she would look a little intimidating to the younger kids. So I turned the outside light on to let Chloe out, and she followed me back to the couch and lay at my feet. It was getting close to 10 p.m. when my husband decided he'd had enough fun for the night and was going upstairs to take a shower and get ready for bed. After all, it was Thursday, and he still had to get up early the next day. My teenage son was out with his friends at a local haunted house and wasn't expected back for another hour or so, so that left me alone on the couch with Chloe. Now, just because I don't believe doesn't mean those shows don't freak me out a bit. And being alone now, watching was kind of putting me on edge. It wasn't long after I heard the upstairs water for the shower turn on when there came a light knock at the front door. My initial reaction was, what the hell, really? It's almost 10, go home. But soon an uneasy feeling came over me. Why the knock? Our doorbell glows in the dark and without the porch light on, it would be extra obvious to anyone there. I paused. I couldn't really just ignore it. Our front door has a big beveled glass panel and anybody right at the door could see in to someone sitting in the family room watching TV. It would be pretty rude for me just to sit there and not answer it. Knock, 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 again at the door. I glanced down at Chloe and she was gone. My gaze followed her usual path to the front door, expecting her to be on her way there as she normally does. Nothing, she wasn't there. I I stood up to look around the room better and found her crouching by the back door like she was waiting there. However, she never asked to go out like that. She always comes and licks my hand or pats my knee. This was totally out of character for her, and I have to say it heightened my anxiety. Chloe, crate, I said. She just turned her back to me like, hell no, lady, I ain't moving. and I know that feeling. Yep. I yelled up to my husband, but if he wasn't already in the shower, I knew there was no chance of him hearing me. About that time, a car drove down the street and cast just a long enough light on the door to where I could see the silhouettes of two small children through the glass. I instantly felt relief. It was just some kids, probably a couple of kids on my neighborhood on their way back and wanted to stop by and show me their costumes or something. I headed to the door and looked back to make sure Chloe wasn't going to follow. What a great watchdog, I thought, just as she sat there not moving. I turned on the porch light when I got to the door and sure enough, I could see through the glass and it was a couple of small kids. A little late for such young ones, I thought, and began to wonder about what kind of parents would let their kids run on the streets this late. I opened the door enough to where I could block Chloe's escape if she decided to grow some balls, which was only about two feet. What struck me immediately as odd was these kids weren't wearing any costumes. They were in normal street clothes. Also, no customary trick-or-treat either. I began to feel very uneasy again. It was a girl and a boy. The girl to my left was older. I'd say about 11 or 12. I could tell that she was blonde, but I couldn't make out any distinct features as our lights are from high above and the columns in the front porch cast a shadow. I had not opened the door wide enough to let any light from inside hit them directly. The boy was younger, about a foot shorter, I'd say eight or nine, and looked to have light brown hair. The girl very politely spoke up. Ma'am, can we... (laughs) Ma'am, can we please come inside and use the phone to call our mom? As she, she's not British. I think this is in, I think this is in Texas. Is it mom again? It says mom. As she spoke, something in the pit of my stomach was telling me that something was wrong. What kid, even at that age, doesn't have a cell phone of their own these days? 
I couldn't remember the last time I had anybody ask to use my phone. Um, hun, don't you have a phone of your own you can call your mom on? I asked. This is when things really got weird. There are missing words there. Both kids turned to look at another like they were going to say something, but neither one of them spoke. They both turned back to me and the girl said, Ma'am, my cell phone battery doesn't have any charge left in it. Can we please come inside and call our mother? We're alone out here and my brother's scared. I have to admit, there were two competing feelings going on. The first, that of a mother's heart that wanted to help these two small children get to their mom. The other, a sinking fear in the pit of my stomach that was keeping the other feeling at bay. It was only then I noticed that during their short conversation, I'd already opened the door a few extra inches, which I was completely unaware of doing. I stopped. Honey, why don't you give me your mother's phone number and I can call her myself? Another pause and they looked at each other again. After a short moment, they turned back to me and the girl said, Ma'am, my little brother has to use the bathroom. Can we please come inside while you call our mom? And with that last statement, the little girl moved closer towards the, go- the door like she was going to walk in. As she did, she stepped into the light coming from inside the house, and I got my first real look at her. Solid, jet black eyes. That's all I could see. The motherly instinct was gone and replaced by terror. I don't think I've ever felt that in my life. I could feel every hair on my arms and the back of my neck standing at attention. I closed the door to where my face was just able to stick out. The little girl stopped and again pleaded, Please, ma'am, we're really scared and alone out here. We have to come inside. Please help us. Then, like on cue, both kids began to whimper and cry. That's when the fear took over and I shut and locked the door. I'll call your mom if you just give me the number, I shouted through the door. Totally what I would have done, minus call. But I'm not just letting you in my house. I could still see them standing on the porch, just staring at me through the beveled glass panel. Part of me wanted to run upstairs to my husband, but the bigger park didn't want me to lose track of where they were. That would have freaked me out even more, not knowing where they were. Mm -hmm. After what seemed like forever, probably only a few seconds, I decided I'd call my neighbor that lived across the street. As I made my way to the side table to the phone, I glanced at the back door. Chloe was nowhere to be found. We later found her in the guest room under the bed. When I got to the phone and started to look for the contact info, it was only then that the kids stepped away from the door and began to walk down the street. As they did, I walked to the door to get a better look to see where they went still not calling my neighbor. If you get close enough to the glass, you can make out people's shapes better, but not too much detail. Of course, standing that close to the door would make you pretty obvious to anyone looking outside. From the door, I could see that the kids were still standing under the street lamp nearest my house, staring at me. As I lifted the phone in my ear, only then did the kids start walking down the street. I met my neighbor out under the lamp once he was... I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't leave my house. Yeah, so this next part's crazy. I met my neighbor out under the lamp once he was out there, but the kids were nowhere to be seen. Wouldn't leave. Like I said, I don't believe in any of this stuff, and I never heard about the black-eyed kids before talking to my friend. What I really think is that these kids were just out here yanking people's chain on Halloween. Probably. Mm -hmm. But I will say they were really good at it. Is there another one? Those are the only stories I wrote down. Oh. So there are hundreds of these stories online, and they all pretty much follow that same formula. It's very rare that you get anyone saying they let them in, because, I mean, it's believed that if you let them in, You're you, you die. You probably die. Yeah. There is one story I remember hearing, and it might have been on, like, featured on last podcast on the left, that these kids showed up to, like, a house party going on, so people just let them in, and they kind of 
I feel like they went on going around like fortune tellers being like, do you want to know how you die and saying creepy shit like that to people? Really? So maybe they are just ethereal, weird, mischievous fairy beings that were there just fucking with humans. Could be. I don't know. Which which theory do you think falls under the Black Eyed Kids best? I think I am leaning more towards the sinister route. So I feel like it could be a demonic entity. I just, yeah, just the overwhelming feeling of like. The fear. fear and dread and, and then the paralysis yeah the paralysis and then also like if if it is in fact that you smell death when they're around i f- yeah i feel like i'm i'm leaning more towards like a demonic entity and then again it's like needing permission that f- falls under that supernatural thing yeah. it is interesting though that there are a lot of connections with like the men in black and just i don't know just the odd behavior and somewhat the appearance of their skin that there there could be an alien connection there but this one does seem to fall under supernatural to me yeah i I don't think it's a new thing if it is something at all and it's not just fake i do think it's probably a miscategorized something okay i can see that so that was our take on black eyed kids hopefully you like what you heard what does everyone else think out there what's your favorite theory you can write in at I'm not crazy pod at gmail.com to let us know, or you can find us at I'm not crazy pod on social media. Make sure you hit up all the other good podcasts on the majestic jam network, cult classic urban hermit. And until then we'll catch you on the next one. Don't worry. You're not crazy. We believe you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.